0: Chain that, that 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 is unapproachable, then um, then you can't make a legal ruling. Anyway, I hope that you know. I mean, part of what I'm you know hoping is just to kind of clarify in your mind some of these things because these are these are real problems in our community now. We have we have a religion that's supposed to unite us, and now all it's doing is dividing us. And the reason for that is because we're not following it. If, if we followed it in the recensions that have come to us from the learned masters of our tradition, we wouldn't have these debates. You know, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't be split. And, and I have no authority in this religion. I, I, I make no claims and have no authority in this religion. I'm reading to you from people that have authority. I'm relating to you from people that have authority. That's the only authority that I have, if I have any, is that. But my personal opinion means nothing in the religion of God. Nothing. I have no opinion in the religion of God. I don't, because I'm not. I don't have that maqam. That's a maqam to have an opinion in the religion. Um um um. Tahawiyah uh, had that opinion. She had a maqam. She could ma- she could make a statement uh, about the the religion. You know. But it's a high maqam. Even in the few things that I've done, like cesarean Moonburst, those weren't my opinions. I was just relating what other people said that I think are the best opinions. If I had an opinion, it was only to say that th- these are the dominant opinions um, uh, and they make the most sense. But that's the truth. So, ah, look, you see, I didn't, I didn't see this, right? In the Islamic tradition, where learning from a teacher is so emphasized, how can we know we are receiving the truth instead of that of the teacher's subjective opinion? Wallahi, I swear to God, I did not read that. I I swear by Allah to you, I did not read that question. That is exactly, I just gave you the answer. So that is that is the point. Don't listen to me. (laughs) Do not trust me. (laughs) I'm telling you the truth. Trust Ibn Juzay al-Kalbi. Trust Sidi Muhammad al-Mawak. Trust Abu Hamad al-Ghazali. I would argue that Sheikh Abdullah bin Bayya is trustworthy. Um, the, uh, the, the, but he's also he relies on all these people. He has his tarjihat, undeniably. But he's at that maqam. I mean, I, I really believe that. Um, but that—that is—that's how you can know that. This is a really excellent question. And then also remember, Abu Hamad al Ghazali said, "No, no men by the truth don't know the truth by men." You know, that, that it's important to learn this religion so, so that you're not uh, fooled by people. And, and when you have that criterion, you know, and there's, and there's red flags. The nice thing about our, our religion is that most people that are deviant will have red flags. And if you know how to see red flags, you know, uh, they don't quote from, uh, the, the asanid, you know, they're not in an Isnad tradition. That's a red flag. It really is. You know, and then you can ask them, who are your teachers? Who did you study with? I mean, if you have somebody, like, I can ask uh, Muhammad al-Sharif, he's here. You know, Sheikh Muhammad is Azhari, graduate from al-Azhar. He spent many years studying at al-Azhar, um, and I know what the Muqarrarat at the Al-Azhar is, so I I have a general idea of the things that he studied. But if he shows up in his Hindab, you know, the Azhari jubba, with a Azhari turban, and I don't know him, I can ask him, what's your name? I mean, he could be making some phony name, that's true, but generally, you know, I, I can literally make one phone call, or two, maximum, and I'll know everything about him. I'll know if he was a good student at Al-Azhar, if he was a bad student. That's a fact. You know, it's not hard to determine who, who, uh, you know, where people come from and what their religion is. You know, if, if you, if you, uh, you know, people that studied, uh, in, in Mauritania, I know, I, all I have to do is make one phone call. One phone call. And I asked you about so-and-so. The Mauritanian ulama, they all know each other. They know who's a student and who's not. They know who's at the level of a high level and who's not. They know. It's just known. It's well known. And this was traditionally the way our ummah was protected because there were rightly guided people and they, and they, and they had, uh, teachers and those teachers were rightly guided. Now there's all these people that are outside of these traditions. They don't follow medhab. I was taught if somebody does not follow medhab, unless they're a rank beginner in this religion, that you have to follow a medheb. That's what I was taught. In, after 35 years of studying this religion, I'm absolutely convinced that without medhebs, this religion is a disaster. It, it, you have to have, and I, and people say, oh, what, the, before the, the medhebs that, you know, don't misunderstand that statement. You have to qualify everything now because people will just latch on to that. Oh, he said the religion without... So that means the prophet's religion was a disaster because there were no medhabs then. This is the way people think now. My point is, is that there are so many differences of opinions in this religion. If you don't have a, 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 a medhab that explains a normative tradition, you'll be confused and you'll be on a new religion every day because you're going to find hadith that contradict what you're doing one day the next day. These, these great scholars worked this out for us. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. Now, having said that, I would argue that in the mu'amalat, there is a lot of room for, uh, for ijtihad now. Uh, there's a lot of room also for Talfiq, um, for joining madhhabs and things like that. I, I and that's Sheikh Abdul bin Bayah's position. In ibadat, I don't think so. I, I really think people should follow one school in their ibadat, um, and unless they move to another school for some uh benefit that's permitted or there's a rukhsah that's necessary like the shafiis using the maliki opinion when they make tawaf because wudu is an obligation during tawaf if you touch a woman then or a woman touches a man the wudu is broken and therefore they follow the maliki madhab in Akhidji. that that's a valid rukhsah because it, it would be impossible to do it otherwise those are the things, but that's really a good question. Um, so, uh, don't we need to have a recourse to the sources? That's true, but that takes training. So you have to learn. Like alhamdulillah, I mean that you know the level of my training, I can work with these books re- relatively uh, well. You know, my Arabic's good enough to read them and understand them, and so I can go to these sources and see for myself. That's a great blessing to be able to do that. But it takes time. It took me a long time uh, to learn how to do that. Arabic is hard. It takes a while. It's easy hard. You know, it, it really is. It's, it's in some ways, it's impossible because it, it's just so vast, you know. But uh, you can learn Arabic and you can learn to read. A lot of these books are written in a relatively, uh, they're not difficult uh, the language is not that difficult. Some of the uh, books are very complicated and need teachers. Um, how should we understand the position of Maria al in our time? Mary, yeah, it's an interesting uh, question. Um, there's a khilaf about Maria al I mean, most say that she was what's called Umwalad, which is a... Um, they have the status of, of, a, of a wife um, concubinage was definitely part of the pre modern world. It doesn't exist uh, anymore, with the exception of uh, sexual slavery, which is totally haram. And also, uh, what these people are doing in, in Iraq and Syria is completely just against um, things. But, uh, th- you know, it's, it's definitely a pre modern uh, world that uh, permitted these things. The Qur'an is clearly moving uh, towards uh, uh, the abrogation of slavery and these type of things. Anybody that looks at the Qur'an, um, that's very discernible, uh, freeing the slaves. Uh, concubinage uh, was also, um, you know, another thing about the pre-modern world was um, that there, there was incredible uh, poverty like today. There are people today that sell their children. This is simply a fact. There are people in Vietnam, you can go, there are places, pedophiles know about this, I've only read about it, but there are places you can go and buy children because the people are just so poor. And it breaks their heart. It's not like they want to, I saw a documentary on this, that's how I know about it. I mean, these people are in so much pain about this, but they're selling their children to feed their other children. And and so this this is a reality of the world. And so the Quran One of the things about, um, one of the things about the, the, uh, the Quran is that it eliminated all sources of slavery except for war. That's the only source of slavery. It eliminated all sources. But it's important to know that Islam called it riqq. It did not call it ubudiyah. And the Prophet said, never say my slave, my slave, but rather say, you know, my my ward. And and so people have to understand that the Prophet did not look at these people as Abid. He said, Kulukum, لِلَّهِ all of you are God's slaves. And and so this is not a slave. He removed so the idea that there's slavery in Islam, it's the wrong word. But there is indentured servitude, and 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 that's that's the closest word in English that we have to what the Muslims called riq. And the proof for that is indentured servitude enabled you to buy yourself out of the bondage that you were in. Uh, in 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 the West, we have mortgages, right? And and you work to pay off the mortgage, right? The Muslims had Allah allowed for a means for people to be reintegrated into society after war. And they were reintegrated in two ways. They were reintegrated in, 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 in the, in the, in the riq, and this was also a reason why they did not want to kill people in war, which is a deterrent to murdering people, because these people actually ended up being sources of uh, wealth in war. And so it's a deterrent to kill people in war. But once they enter into riq, if they request to be freed, then they're given and you can take even from zakat, the mukatabah, the mukatab is somebody who's working to pay off and free himself, he can actually get zakat to do that. The Prophet ﷺ said that, that only a few people in our religion get two rewards. One of them is a person that has a raqiqa, a woman in her, in his servitude, and he educates her, and frees her, and marries her. So that's a double reward. And so we cannot take the modern world with its conceptions and ideas and try to superimpose that on the pre-modern world. It will not work. But we also have to recognize there are elements in the pre-modern world that are no longer translatable in the modern world and and this is not somehow abrogating or nullifying our religion it's recognizing that people change and times change we can't treat uh, a a 12-year-old today the way a 12-year-old was treated 100 200 or 500 years ago it's a completely different mentality uh women commonly married uh, at young ages in most societies in england uh, if you reach seven, which is called sin of you could be uh, hung for theft at seven because they considered them little adults because they could speak like adults and they were ignorant. The Prophet said that, um, that, that 15, 18, uh, according to the Madiki if there's no signs of puberty, 15 is the age uh, in which you are accountable. 15. That's very close to the modern age. Uh, uh, age you can 't enter into the army as a child it 's prohibited to fight as a child in Islam. You have to be at least into puberty. Uh, the prophet turned them back if the young people wanted to fight like thirteen fourteen year old he would send them back so he didn 't have child warriors it 's very alien to our tradition. so anyway, how do we distinguish between blameworthy manipulation of language? Uh, that the Jews are reprimanded in the Qur'an for their rhetorical tricks, but also know the oratory techniques and power of beautiful speak, speech, the likes of which Brother Malcolm X practiced. Uh, rhetoric is the art of telling the truth beautifully, according to one definition. Rhetoric is dangerous because it's a, it's a double-edged sword. It can be used like logic. If you learn logic, you learn all the logical fallacies. That's part of logic, It's learning logical fallacies And lawyers are very good because they focus on the logical fallacies and often manipulate juries, appeal to to pity, appeal to emotion is a logical fallacy. Is this the face of a a murderer? (laughs) Right? I mean, that's not an argument. Uh, Can you respond to the orientalist uh, accusation asserting that Imam Al Ghazali was responsible for ending Muslim enterprise in astronomy, mathematics. Famous scientists of our time are putting this forward. Yeah, the, it's a total lie. It's one of the great slanders against Imam Al Ghazali. He himself was a great scientist. He he had learned the sciences of his time. He was very adept at uh, astronomy, at at handasa. Um, he actually, if you look in the Ihya, he uses handasa in more than one place. Uh, what we would call geometry today. Um, uh, Qadi Abu Bakr ibn al-Arabi, who was his student, was a master of astronomy. Um, and uh, he, he, he was also a practicing philosopher his entire life, Abu Hamad al-Ghazali. The idea that he destroyed philosophy is, is one of the greatest slanders in, in our history. He actually Islamicized, if anything, philosophy. And, 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 and this is why a lot of the Salafi people don't like Abu Hamid, is because he brought so much of Ibn Sina's thought into Islamic tradition. <laughs> and that's, that's one of the reasons, because they think philosophy is the worst thing that ever happened to Islam. But philosophy is a tool like other tools. And uh, it's important when you get into sophisticated societies and need sophisticated Refutations of people. And also you have philosophical minds that have to find a place in Islam as well. Because not everybody's a simpleton. Right? Islam works for simpletons. It can be understood at a very simple level. And there's nothing wrong with being a simpleton. Um, in fact, there's a lot of purity in a lot of simple people. But, um, (coughs) but there are also incredibly brilliant people, um, there are also some incredibly brilliant people that need to find their outlet also. Sadr al al-Qunawi, who was here in, in Qunya, was a brilliant peripatetic philosopher. He was an epistemologist. But he was also one of the, the most important muhaddithun of his time. <laughs> people came from all over the Muslim world to read hadith with him. So, you know, Islam has room for everybody. But obviously there are limits, and those limits are determined by the ulama. God has placed limits on us and on our thought. And and the peripatetic philosophers, uh Ibn Sina made several mistakes. Uh Abu Hamid clarified them in Tahafut al-Falasifa. Um how do we bring universal peace? <laughs> yeah. You have to wait for the akhirah for that one. Unity, or at least a degree of tolerance. I mean, that's, you're moving more towards, that's rational, like more towards tolerance. When you speak and refer to our past and present with terms like the Muslim world, Christendom, does this not bring with it the unavoidable tension and debate of truth claims between and within, within communities? Muslim versus non-Muslim, Muslim versus Muslim. When we have value different authorities, how do we all sing from the same ethical hymn sheet Uh, uh, when when different interpretations and opinions are consequently inevitable, which will subsequently have real and physical effects on the world we live in. How does the modern Muslim uh, who uh, posts the damaging effects of individual thought that was promoted by the Renaissance and Reformation period, is looking for identity, belonging, guidance, is lured by charismatic leaders who are not truly qualified, seek guidance in today's confused and uneducated world. Um, you know, it's curious to me, I don't know if whoever wrote this, um, that, you know, this comes out of critical theory, uh, and this is pretty much modern university education in a lot of places now, um, the idea of truth claim. We actually believe in truth claims. Modern modern people don't believe in truth claims. Uh, they they believe in truth with a small case T, not a capital T. We actually believe in capital T truth. We do make truth claims. We do assert truth. We actually do believe that our religion's true. We believe that the prophets told the truth. We actually believe everything in the Quran is true. Hopefully we understand it correctly. Um uh, One of my favorite quotes is from uh, Muhammad Al-Mina Shinqiti, who, when they asked him about the the Americans getting to the moon, he said there's two possibilities. Either they're liars, and the outward of the Qur'an is true, or they're telling the truth, and we've misunderstood the Qur'an. (laughs) So, simple as that. So, there's always possibility for... uh, more than one interpretation. And in that way, truth sometimes can have a, a small case T. But the truth of Allah as our Creator and that there's a Yom Qyama, these are capital T truths that we will not compromise on. And anybody that denies our Creator, we believe, is a liar. Uh, in, 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 in Arabic, a Kadab does not have to intend to be a liar. It's just somebody who's saying something that is not true. They're called kathab. So whether they intend it or not is irrelevant. If you tell an untruth, you are a liar. And that's why the prophet said it's enough to call a man a liar who reports everything he's heard. Whether or not they intended it, the fact that they're just, oh, I read on the internet. Did you hear that? that you know, you're just spreading lies. So, um, you know, we do believe, but we're all human. As somebody today, I, I sat next to somebody, I really liked him. He's, he's in the uh, mayor's office, Turkish man. And, and he said, you know, we need to think first and foremost of the ummah. And I, and I agreed with him, but I, but I also, for me, and I told him this, I said, my first criteria with people is human being. Like, I just, that's how I look at people. I wasn't always a Muslim. I think I was always a Muslim in that I loved the truth and I was always looking for the truth, but I was not always, quote-unquote, I couldn't check that box. What religion are you? But had I known, I would have said Muslim because when I found out about Islam, uh, it made perfect sense to me and, and I accepted it. But when I meet people, that's my... Uh, ground of meeting. Are they a human being or are they a demon? And and there's a lot of evil people out there. There are. There are people that kidnap little children. There are people that kidnap women. There are people that will tell a woman in Romania that she's going to be a nanny in New York. And and then they bring them there and then they rape her and then put her into a house and have her uh, sleep with men all day long so that they can make money. That, that's a demon to me. That's not a human being. Anybody that could do that is not a human being. And and so for me, and he said, uh, that's like Maulana Rumi. That's his view. You know, I said, well, I like him a lot. You know, so <laughs> I think that's why people like him, because that's that's what he is. But he was also a, a profoundly educated Muslim and a practicing Muslim his entire life. They said that his. His, uh, he, you know, that his, his, his uh, jubba was worn out from praying next to people so much. So, um, we're done. Yeah. Alhamdulillah, Shadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa And By the end of this talk, I'm like, <laughs> like yesterday, I was really, couldn't even think straight, so. <laughs> Amen. I'm doing that. الله يبارك فيكم إن شاء الله كرمكم الله.